0: Welcome to Paradox Jeepbox, an unconventional podcast for the unconventional music lover, brought to you by Music on the Move Studios, a woman-led company working to help musicians move their careers forward through education and live events. I'm your host, Katie Thompson. Thanks so much for tuning in to Season 3, Episode 18. On today's show, we have Tommy Putnam, bassist from the indie alternative rock band, moon taxi based in nashville tennessee this band was originally founded in 2006 by trevor Turnup, tommy putnam spencer thompson Tyler Ritter and Wes Bailey. And it was all while they were attending Belmont University, believe it or not. So, this is super, super cool because Tommy and our co founder, Aaron, actually go way back to when she was a part of the Battle of the Bands that took place at the Tennessee Titans Stadium in Nashville. So, Tommy and Aaron became really good fa- uh, friends, fans. <laughs> Well, hopefully they're fans of each other. So anyway, Aaron and Tommy, they became friends and Tommy agreed to come on the show and talk about Moon Taxi and their origin story and also some of his favorite bassists and his love of DJing Moon Taxi after parties. So, uh, also too, I want to give a really big shout out to Tommy today. Happy birthday, Tommy Putnam! Thank you so much man for letting me release this on your birthday. It's been an absolute honor to have you on the show. So before we dive into this interview, I wanted to share Moon Taxi's brand new release called Set Yourself Free. So check it out. Welcome to Paradox Jukebox, everybody. Today, I have Tommy Putnam of Moon Taxi with me. How you doing, Tommy?
1: I'm good. How are you, Katie?
0: I'm doing fantastic, man. Thanks so much for for coming on the show and agreeing to talk with me today. Of course. So, okay, I want to just kind of like let our listeners know how we got connected. So you actually met my business partner, Erin, through a battle of the bands that she was doing. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Aaron and the Hellcats. Right? That's um, right. Yeah. And we have a mutual friend uh, and our friend Elle Wimberley. Um And Aaron's show is great. Uh, she did a great job.
0: She always does an awesome job. I unfortunately, I wasn't able to actually play that show with her. Um, I, I think I already had like, you know, some gigs booked or something like that. But I play depending upon like what she needs i'll i'll either play drums or bass or guitar so uh i was mm-hmm. really excited for her to to do that battle of the bands i know she did a really good job so thanks for she her. did and, her,
1: and, and yeah and other opportunities came out of that you know she played some titan stuff uh it was a titans battle of, of the bands right um, for which i was a judge
0: <laughs> yeah how was that experience for <laughs> yeah you? fun
1: oh it was great it was a lot of fun um i got to meet some other cool people um one of the other judges he's uh, um he's a music supervisor for EA Sports, big games. So like Madden, uh, NHL, FIFA, you know, he picks all the music that goes into those sports things, uh, those games. Um, who else does I mean? This guy, Ernest, who's a kind of somewhat large country writer. His, one of the biggest things that he's done is he had a viral video on TikTok and Instagram where he's at the gym, literally taking dumbbells and doing this, like practicing drinking beer. And it went viral. <laughs> nice. So just, just, just some random cool people.
0: That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So, all right. So let's, let's talk about your band moon taxi. So, um, you know, for our listeners that maybe haven't listened to you guys yet, can you kind of go back to the origin story of the band and how you guys got started?
1: Sure. So um, I was in a band in middle school and you know, we we were, we were decent for a middle school band, but I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do at that point, right? Like when I started playing bass guitar, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I'm very fortunate to have that because a lot of people, you know, go through their adolescence and grow up and they still don't know what they want to do by their mid-20s. Right. And I was lucky to know what I wanted to do at 12. <clears throat> uh When I was 14, Trevor, the singer of our band, moved to Birmingham from Syracuse, New York. And... We immediately became friends, started playing music together. And I was like, this guy's pretty good. And, you know, we were a really good high school uh, band, like a rock band. Um, and from there we went to Belmont where we met our guitar player in taxi Spencer on the very first day. Um, we had a different drummer who was in the ROTC program at Belmont who, when he had to go off to actually join the military, he flew helicopters in Iraq afterwards. Um, we had to find somebody else yeah no he still flies helicopters too really cool guy um and then tyler our current drummer since then um he also went to the same high school as us he was just a few years younger and my sister had told me she's like you need to check out this guy tyler ritter he's a great drummer and so we went and found tyler and had him join the band and we met our keyboard player at a party and just jammed with him and the rest is history there
0: that's awesome so so as you guys were in high school like what kind of shows were you playing back then like were you playing uh, talent
1: one? talent shows they, they'd have a bonfire for like a pep rally for like the homecoming game which we played there's some photos of that somewhere i'd have to dig find them um um some house parties um we did wind up playing one bar i remember at like montevallo um which was really cool um uh, I think that's about it, you know. And then in early early Moon Taxi days in college, there was this this Mexican restaurant that had a stage, and we'd drive down to Birmingham and play that place for all of our friends, and just literally just jam the whole time. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: I love it. That's so cool. I, I I think it's interesting that you know, like a lot of your members were you know products of just like being in high school because that typically you hear about high school bands and like, you know, they play like one show and then they break up. Right. Yeah. So I think
1: that's
0: really
1: cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, Trevor and I are best friends and, um, you know, have been since, you know, freshman year of high school. Um, And it was funny because, you know, he moved to Birmingham, Alabama from Syracuse, New York. Right. And Birmingham, you know, generally doesn't get a whole lot of new people, especially our high school. And when you get a new person and they talk like this and they say, Tammy, like, and everybody else is just super Southern. Like he stuck out pretty hard. Um So <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's, it's interesting. Cause uh Aaron's husband is actually also from Syracuse. Did you know that?
1: I think I did know that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's Matt, yeah. also from Syracuse. And I, I don't know, the first time that I that I met Matt, I obviously, you know, didn't know that he was from New York or anything. And um, so I'm like, oh, wow. OK, like I mean, and it's interesting because Aaron doesn't really have much of an accent either. And so, you know, right? when I got down into the Nashville area, you know, around 2018 and stuff, um, I just thought that was kind of kind of funny. But, you know, I love Nashville because it's such a melting pot of people and you just never know. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And I feel like once you get here, like your accent kind of starts melting away a little bit because of that, because it's more of like a non-regional dialect because people are from everywhere. And like, I'll go back to Birmingham and visit my friends and I'm like, Whoa, like you guys sound really Southern. And I'm like, I, but I probably sounded like that when I got here. Sure. Um, So it fades away, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, to me, you almost sound like you have like a, a midwestern accent. Like I'm, I'm from Ohio, and uh-huh. we have the broadcast voice accent. It's you know, right? Very mild, and it's not yeah. really a drawer or anything to it.
1: And you know, that's probably because my dad's from Missouri.
0: Oh, so. okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah all right so so talk to me about like you know when you were in high school who are your who are your bass influences like were there any like specific bass guitarists that you just kind of like idolized
1: i loved fleet um i I thought he was so good he still is he's such a good player um and just like he plays the part too like he knows he's a character and he hams that up i mean he's and, and his bass lines are incredible like like soul to squeeze um a great bass line that any bass player should, i think should learn i not that hard um but it's just so tasteful and like i heard it on the radio a couple weeks ago and i just realized how much they had the bass out front in that song because it's that important of a of a part and you know they knew that that, that was the most probably the most meaningful part of the song and they put it way out front um and that's just a testament to how good he is
0: absolutely absolutely um what's the- was the higher ground cover that they that chili peppers did where mm-hmm. you know, flea is is throwing that line down in the beginning like the first time that i heard their rendition of it that's that was kind of like my intro into like my love for chili peppers um mm-hmm. and and i mean i i love you know the uh, just all of their music but it, there's just something about the way that flea plays that you know, and the way that they produce it, and they really put that a lot of his bass lines super forward in the mix because they are just mm-hmm. so freaking rocking.
2: Um,
1: yeah, if you go if you go back to the end of Soul because he's doing all these really tasty licks at the very end, like like they just kind of gave him free reign to play all these beautiful little melodies in the song. And it's just so cool. That's awesome. um, so yeah, uh, so- another one would be sorry I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, the other the other one that really drew me in was Victor Wooten just because he's just an absolute monster um, and and he's just so good and his style of play is so unique, um, I tried to learn how to do it and I'm not very good at it, but, uh, but it's something that I think every bass player should try to learn how to play, that technique.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well uh for any of our dear listeners who are who are bassists you have homework.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: If you're listening to Flea and and go check out Victor Wooten if you you know if you've never looked into either of their playing styles. Um so as a band collectively who who influences like your guys's writing styles would you say if you could pinpoint like a couple bands?
1: Well, you know in the beginning when when Trevor and I became friends, right? he was really into fish and I have one fish record and I liked it. And the way we became friends is I was wearing a fish t-shirt uh, at school one day. And I only had the one record, but I thought it was cool. And he came and handed me their first record called Unta. And I listened to the, I went home and I listened to that. And I was like, what is this? Because I was listening to, I listened to fish a little bit. I liked the kind of maybe, I was maybe drawn to the culture, you know, you're forming your, you know, your own opinions at that time of your life. And, and I was, at the time, I was really into Rage Against the Machine, um, you know, Pantera, like some harder rock stuff. And I sort of introduced him to those things. And then, I, know, I knew that was going to happen. Um, and and he loved that too. And so it was kind of this rock jam band kind of combo thing. And we brought that kind of vibe and met other people that like the same kind of music at Belmont, like I talked about earlier. And... From there, I think once the band kind of got formed, it really turned into more of us just kind of influencing each other sort of thing. Um, You know, like if if we think, if we collectively think it's good, then it's probably very much Moon Taxi. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, in your days at Belmont, like, uh, especially because Aaron and I, we we talk about a lot, a lot of educational pieces on our Music on the Move platform. So, you know, can you like think back to your time at Belmont? What were some of the most important lessons that you learned as you were, you know, studying bass?
1: Um. Well, I started off as a jazz bass major, right? and. I had a moment. So they had these seminars where they'd gather all the guitar players, all the bass players, the jazz people. They'd have violinists too, violists, you know, jazz, whatever, saxophone, keys, drums. And I was a freshman, and my teacher, you know, he just call on people to go up there, and you're supposed to play the chart right with these other people. And this particular song was in three-four, which is a waltz. And I did not see that part of the chart. And I was playing it as though it was in 4-4. Four, four. And for anybody that doesn't know, what that means is after the first measure, I'm a beat off and I cannot figure out where I am. And I'm supposed to be the one showing everybody where to go. And it completely fell apart. And it was a very, it was a very humbling moment, right? Uh, so from there, the next week, we did those every week and, or maybe once a month, I can't remember. But I told my teacher, I said, hey, I want to do the next one. Like, because people's opinions of my bass playing were probably pretty sour after I crashed and burned the first time I was up there as a freshman with all these really good musicians too. And so one of the second time, didn't necessarily killed it, but I got through it great and it was fine. So kind of proved my point. But that was a moment where it's kind of like, you know, you're going to get thrown to the fire at some point, you just kind of can't panic and don't give up. Yeah, So
0: that's real that's real well and especially you know when you're when you're in music school I, I went to school for music too i um studied percussion and um i'll never forget there was one there it wasn't necessarily like a jury or anything like that it was right mm-hmm. at the beginning of the school year i think i don't know my sophomore year and i had to go up and play just kind of like you know i don't know it was like a basic blues tune or something like that mm-hmm. and i have a super light touch. Um. I'm just, Mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. I'm not typically an animal behind the kit. Right. So, um, so I get up there and I'm playing along and like all the other, you know, players and stuff, they're, they're really going hard at it. And I'm just kind of like sitting there, like, just trying to just, you know, keep time. And I'll never forget the compliment that one of my professors gave me. He was just like, well, you know, everybody is up there just kind of doing their own thing in their own world. The only person that is actually given a damn about what's going on is Katie because she's staying underneath Mm -hmm. all of you and and driving you. Right. And that, I think that was the first and only time that he gave me a compliment because he was kind of a dick. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, a lot of them are, I mean, (laughs) those teachers, you know, and that's the thing is that they're going to, they're going to get the best out of you. Um, I had a great bass teacher. His name is Roy Bo. Um, And so after my first year of the jazz program, I kind of didn't like how just competitive everybody was. They were, kind of, And I was playing in the orchestra because I didn't make any of the jazz programs. So I did that. And I was learning how to play off my bass. and I fell in love with that and that kind of music. And so then I said, well, you know what, I'm just going to stay here and just kind of switched my major over to classical studied music theory pretty heavily and uh, got a minor in English, uh, which that major allowed me to do that, get the minor in English, which is something that I wanted to do. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, but see, Roy would allow me to get under the table electric lessons too. I uh, was studying upright with him. So every now and then I just bring in my electric, like, hey, I'm trying to figure this out. Can you help me? <laughs> and I think a really good teacher is going to let you kind of explore your own path, um, which yeah, I think he still teaches there too, as far as I know. That's cool. Yeah.
0: So with your English major, like, what did you want to do with that?
1: Uh, So or minor? I had, I had a really good, um, uh, well, I for, uh, political science teacher, right? And he pulled me aside one time and said, Tommy, you should think about going to law school too. And, and then from there I was like, well, this guy's a really popular teacher. And he pulled me aside and he told me that. So I was like, well, what's the best path to that? And he said, either political science or English writing. Cause you do a lot of writing as a lawyer. So I got the English minor, thought about going to law school. And then just said screw it i'm gonna dive in for the band full-time i can always go to law school in my 40s or something if i want to
0: absolutely absolutely so do you use any like upright bass playing for moon taxi at all like
1: on your sometimes or? we do if we have like an acoustic performance um i'll you know get those wheels turned on and and or get that engine revving and, and practice it a lot and um you know it's weird because like the parts are just completely different. You know, you want to you want to play it in a completely different manner. Um, like for example, I play a five string bass. My upright's only four, so there's there's an issue there already. Um, and then there's no frets. Um, sometimes I want to use the bow if it makes sense because you can just hear the notes a little bit stronger. It's just a completely different animal. But there are times where we've done acoustic performances, and I think I think I played it on rooftops maybe another song i can't remember but definitely rooftops
2: that's cool that's super cool mm-hmm.
0: i i don't know i think it's it's awesome you know the upright bass is is just got a, a complete life of its own and then you start you know throwing it on mixes and stuff just even for like studio purposes of you know just kind of flushing out like an orchestration mm-hmm. or anything, anything like that so do you play any other instruments or predominantly just bass
1: i've got some back here i've got a a ukulele bass and there's a guitar electric guitar right behind me there um my acoustics in the other room and then keyboards um very cool i like to try and come up with a bunch of weird stuff at home all the time so
0: how do you like those youth bases
1: uh that thing it's i don't know if you can see it uh yeah you can see it right there um trevor trevor actually got that for me um and uh it packs such a deep sound when you plug it in it is heavy um big sub sound um so yes i like it a lot I,
0: but the longest time ago gosh i was i was trying to convince uh one of my band members that we needed to get a youth bass because he and i would like swap between guitar and bass for some of our cover shows just mm-hmm. bored. and um he was just like why would you want to get one of those i'm like have you ever played one i i mean we could blow subwoofer
2: yeah. with it just just for fun it's
1: incredible <laughs> it's incredible and they're not very expensive either uh.
2: okay. <laughs>
1: I just actually, uh, so I just went to a military trade show that my girlfriend's dad does uh, a booth at and, you know, they're selling like all kinds of old metals and like, you know, old guns and muskets and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to buy something this time. And the only thing I found that I really wanted was a bugle that's from like the 1880s or something. So it's like, you know, the one that plays taps, So I just bought that, can't play it at all. Uh, and then I went and visited Trevor <laughs> right afterwards and he just started, he used to play trumpet. So he started playing taps on it and all kinds of stuff, but it doesn't have the little buttons like a trumpet. It's just a bugle.
0: Right. Right. Just the So
1: I've got world. one of those now too. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. You plan on using it for any moon taxi performances?
1: No, no, <laughs> it's on my mantle. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a de- decorative piece really.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> I think that'd be But big. it works. That'd be cool. Yeah. For like, if Trevor could give you lessons, you guys could end up doing a duet or something. That'd be kind of awesome.
1: We could do that. We could do that. I know when he comes over here next time, he's gonna pick it up and start playing it. Yeah. It's a guarantee.
0: For sure. You know, you could always record him, like you know, playing a couple of notes on it, and then like you know, pitch it down and you know, really affect it and just use it as like a pad or something like that.
1: Okay, now now you've got me thinking. I can I can <laughs> I can I can produce notes out of it, but yes. That, that's now we're thinking
2: yeah
1: yeah
0: heard here for some paradox jukebox it's gonna happen awesome <laughs> oh, i love it all right so um talk to me about um your most recent album silver dream um i've been listening mm-hmm. to it all morning and i and i really love this album like i'm, I'm at mm-hmm. now but but yeah talk to me about silver dream and like maybe you know one or two tracks that really stand out to you
1: um well i loved hometown heroes um that one um trevor spencer and wes were working up with some guys out in la i was in nashville um and actually i was in birmingham at the time and trevor sent me uh, the chorus for it right they worked on and our friends from birmingham have a party every christmas that they call the hometown heroes party because everybody's coming back to their hometown and they, you know, we all go out to a bar or someone's house or something. And I was like, well, this is great. Um, so he came, they all came back to Nashville. We worked on some of the lyrics and um and that song did great. I love, I love that one. Um, and then live for it too is also a really good one. I thought that song was special. Um and you know, it's funny, we had that album ready to go. Uh, and then 2020 happened. Um, and so you know it was It was the opinion of of you know a lot of the people that we work with that we should wait to put it out until we can tour on it, which we did. Sure, sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of artists that I've had on the the podcast since uh, 2020, like Kashana, for example. She had she had just recorded this amazing album, 2020, Mm -hmm. and the music went nowhere because she couldn't tour on it and she couldn't really you know
1: yeah Yeah.
0: as well as she wanted to. So I'm glad. Well, and then
1: yeah. Yeah, and then on top of that, like with Hometown Heroes, I was sitting there like, let's get this song out. I mean, how many different commercials during that time did you see where they talked about Hometown Heroes, your nurses, your doctors, you know, fighting COVID at the hospital? I mean, right. yeah,
0: that would have been that would have been perfect. I bet you guys got a lot of sync deals out of it for sure.
1: I can't remember exactly what, what we got out of it, but I'm sure it was something.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. Okay, so um you know before we hit record, you were saying that um you guys have some releases coming up
1: soon. Yes. Um I don't we have we have one single that's out, it's called Classics. Um and uh it's on several radio stations now. Um here in Nashville. They're, they're playing it. I've heard it on there. Um and then we have another one that we're gonna release at some point. We haven't decided when yet. Um, and then an album um at some point too in the not too distant future. The most the thing that will probably come out first, release-wise, will be our touring schedule uh, for the fall tour. That's that's more imminent. So, just waiting on a couple things there.
0: Awesome. Uh, like, are there any specific cities that you could tell us that you're that you're going to tour? Or do you have to keep?
1: Oh, I don't. I, I don't even know. Um, probably, <laughs> if you've seen us before, we'll probably be back there. Cool. Um, yeah.
0: Awesome. So, you know, aside from aside from Moon Taxi, like do you have any other projects that you that you work on or do you write with other people while you're in Nashville?
1: I've done some of that. Um, you know, I'm I'm more um I like the live stuff and I'm I'm a little bit better, I think, at like taking a song when it's kind of close to the finish line and helping get it over it. Um that's more my style there. I've been working on trying to get um familiar with knowing how to dj um which you know it's 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 different than i thought it would be you kind of take different tracks and samples and you mix them together and you kind of come up with your own thing and then there's your mix and then you use your dj console to play your stuff that you've already done ahead of time yeah. but there's a lot more work than i thought there was on the front end to make it good so um you know <laughs> um but you know sooner or later i'll get that done and then my goal is to like DJ after parties for moon taxi after shows and you know maybe do a couple frats here and there um
0: yeah for sure yeah so what uh what's your DJ setup like i'm i'm about to nerd out really hardcore with you because i'm sure get into the DJ world myself
1: sure so all of my friends and i need i need people to help teach me how to do this my like our booking agent hunter he he knows how to do it he's given me some advice but i haven't had anybody over here to say no, Tommy, this is the button you push and this is what you do. This is how you save it. You know, this these are all the little steps you need to take. Um, but I have plenty of friends that do it and they're all willing to help. But what I've been doing is I've been using Recordbox and then I drop, you know, a song in there, um, get like, you know, one sound or I'll go to Splice and I'll download a sound and drop that at another track and match the BPM and match the key And then that starts going and then I'll take something like like Biggie and drop his rap on it. And and that usually works. (laughs) Biggie's cadence just always kind of (laughs) works. Yeah. Um, And then from there you, and then you're supposed to, then you bounce that down. And from there, all of my friends that perform live, they use Serato, which is a different program. And I think you make a file and you load that into Serato and then you go from there. That's what I think you're supposed to do. But like I said, I'm still learning. Um, This is a long-term goal.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of controller are you using?
1: I've got a, um, and I haven't even really messed with that thing yet. Uh, It's a DD7. Where is it? I don't know where I put it. (laughs) I don't even know where it is. Um, Haven't used it yet. Gotcha. It's all it's all making the files right now. Nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I've been looking into like whether or not I want to just like start out with like a beginner rig or if I just want to go ahead and like grab a Denon or something because Denon just came out with one that hooks straight up into like Amazon Music, and mm. so I guess it would be kind of like if you had Serato, but like it'll just it'll take all of the the tracks out of Amazon Music for you. I'm not really. Mm. Sure um
1: and that thing's probably like a thousand bucks
0: around there yeah (laughs) the one i
1: got was like the one i got was like 250 and so i'm like and i I got a guitar center i was like well you know you can always take stuff back to guitar center if you want to um and then i kind of played with it a little bit i was like this thing will work for what i'm trying to do for now so
0: right Right. Yeah. And I, I just, I think I just saw something on like sounds.com or something. It was like, I don't know, it was a new market. It was like a hundred and something, like 150. And it's just a controller. Like you, yeah, you know, either use like Serato or virtual DJ. Um, And I've, I've used virtual DJ before, but I'm not really sure about it. So do you like Serato? Have you tried that?
1: I've I, I played with it a little bit. It's fine. Um, what got me started doing this was I was talking to my band about wanting to do this. Like, Tommy, this is a great idea for you. We're at some music festival in like Illinois or something. And like Spencer was like, I was like, I just don't know where to start. And Spencer was like, start small. Remember that frat party we were playing at. And in the green room, this girl came in and she hooked her phone up to the PA system. She started DJing from her phone. He's like, figure out what that is and try and start there. So then I just downloaded this, you know, I think it's just called my DJ. On my phone and it has all these tracks for you and they all kind of work together. It's a kind of can't mess it up. Right. And so from there, I DJ'd our whole van ride to Olive Garden. Um <laughs> and, and, and and there were mixed reviews. Um, but <laughs> then
2: our keyboard
1: then our keyboard player west started to call me DJ Breadsticks. And I'm like, all right, I gotta get better at this. Uh, so.
0: Huh. Well, my first for foray into DJing was actually yeah. It's a it's just called DJ, and I got it on the iPad. That's it.
1: That's yeah. That that's what thing? I used. Yeah, okay. and I'd get I'd I'd set it up with four tracks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I so I dj'd like a school dance for a friend of mine who's a principal, and so I literally just used like SoundCloud Plus, and I and I was playing yeah. kids' bop tunes the whole time, right? That's great. Yeah, it was fun. It was. was And you
1: did it from that.
0: I I did it straight from that. And I just, I hooked it into my, into my mixer. And yeah, I just ran it straight off of that. And I was like doing some scratches and stuff. And I had kids do some scratches. They were having a blast. That's great. It was fun. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. Yeah. See, start small, you know, and then work your way up to a a physical thing. And then, and then before, you know, you're playing frat parties and making tons of money. And right. (laughs) or festivals
0: or festivals i'd I'd be cool with that 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 would be amazing it'd be a good time all right dude well um i think what i would like to to ask you next is if you could give like musicians that are trying to cut their teeth in the industry right now or even just full bands like what Mm -hmm. is what is a really good piece of advice you wish somebody would have given you
1: well, you know, I did get some really good advice a long time ago, um, and and this is the exact same thing that I would say. It's because I asked, I pl- I was playing in this Vanderbilt band um, that I was friends with these guys. We play a bunch of frat parties there, right? It's a completely different situation. But we won a contest to play at their Rice of Spring, which is like their big spring, um, you know, festival that Vanderbilt puts on. And the headliner that year was My Morning Jacket. And I'd never seen him before, but I watched them sound check and I was like, they, they soundchecked to nobody there. And they played like there were 50,000 people there rocking out. I was like, okay, these guys know what they're doing. Um, I need to talk to them. And I watched their show and it blew my mind. Like it was so good. So then I cornered their keyboard player, or, sorry, their guitar player, uh, Carl Brummel. And I said, all right, man, my other band is doing like 50 of our best friends, you know, at each show. Um, I was still in college at this point. And how do I go from doing that to doing like 500 people around the country? And he said, there are so many little baby steps in between where you are now and where you want to be. I can't even tell you one of them. And he was so right about that. That's the thing is like, there's a lot of baby steps, but every kind of move forward is a very important one. And they always feel like baby steps because, you know, we might get booked at, some huge festival again. And if that had happened 15 years ago, it would have seemed like a giant leap. But we've already done a lot of these kind of things. So it just be like another one of the baby steps. Mm-hmm. So just keep grinding at it, basically is what I'm saying.
0: Nice. Yeah. I was just having a conversation with uh somebody the other day and they were like, you know, so your your band's doing this show, you're not really making a whole lot of money. What's the point? And I said, well, it's it's a jumping off point right like Mm -hmm. we're opening for thomas Mack this friday and we're like we're super excited about it and we've sold we've sold our ticket you know guarantee that we promised the venue that we would we're Mm -hmm. sell over which is which is great but we're still only taking like you know pennies essentially for what they're getting for the right and so you know it's it's part of the grind. It's it's one of the baby steps, and my mm-hmm. sister and I we're we're cool with it. But I'm really glad that you know, for you know, someone like you who's who's in a band that is you know doing really really well and successful. It's not enough people, I think, talk about those baby steps. So mm-hmm. you know, I I really appreciate you bringing that to you know to life. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think a lot of people expect the big the big leaps, right? They expect those huge jumps and some of those do happen i mean like we were playing a whole lot of a whole bunch of fraternity parties around the southeast in 2012. and we um we'd, we'd lost a battle of the bands in 2010 to play Bonnaroo, right and that's a whole different story um we felt like it was rigged um but uh it, you know it might have been but then in 2011, um, we decided that we were just not going to play it because of how we felt. And 2012, we actually got like, we've done a lot of work in between those two years and they gave us a really nice slot of honor room. at seven o'clock on, on that stage on Thursday or so, which this, that tent, sorry. And we thought, you know, there'd probably be around three or 4,000 people there. And it was like 15,000. And, and then we absolutely played one of the best shows we've ever played before. Um, and that really was, one, that was the biggest leap I think that we've ever had. Um, but it's one of those things, it's like, uh, What's what's what do they say? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And, you know, we were ready for that moment and we crushed it.
0: That's awesome. It's badass. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. That's-, that's Thank awesome. you. It's incredible. Um, One more thing I wanted to ask you before we tie off. Um, Okay. So when, when it comes to playing these massive shows, like, I mean, I'm sure that you guys, you know, you have a manager and and things. Mm -hmm. How much rehearsal do you guys put in? Like, how much do you have to practice to feel prepared for a a big festival show like Bonnaroo?
1: For that, that one, I feel like we did one like really good rehearsal where we like come out with the set list and we know what we're going to do but we were playing lots of shows at that time so we're kind of you know the fingers are all loose and ready and prepared but then it's more like craft a really cool set and get that going and I remember I had this roommate at the time and she was like she was so pissed that like my whole band was in our kitchen like with some instruments and like working through stuff and I was like I, I can't remember her name i was just like listen like we're playing football this weekend like like don't i'm not even gonna have any of it and she's like oh wow okay i'm sorry i'm backed off you know i think it was just that one rehearsal um there's a tangent for you <laughs> um and uh and then for yeah we've we've done some rehearsals They actually happen right in this room usually um now um yeah, if it's a big, if it's a big spot, we're going to prepare for it and make it really special. Um, segues, make sure the set feels good, song to song, you know, not necessarily play through every song, just make sure that our transitions are really strong.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, there's a, uh, I think, you know, for just people that don't know, like, you know, depending upon how much you do perform, you know, regularly or not regularly, kind of depends on, you know, how, how much you rehearse. But, you know, I know that there's there are some managers out there who are just like it has to be like one hundred percent perfection. Like in your guys' shows, do you allow for like creative, you know, things to happen, or does it have to be like super specific, like point A to point Z, this is what the song is, no deviation?
1: Right. Um, some songs are like less deviation for sure. Um, but then there's a good number of them where it's just like your solo is your solo, you do whatever you want. Okay. And it might, it might not have a set beginning or end to it, um, and I think that's one of the things that makes our band unique. Is we have some of the, you know, this is a, this is more of a a radio song, and people are going to want to hear it the way they hear it, right? Whereas this one, they're going to want to see us showcase how we play. Um, and this new record, you know, we've got some instrumental tracks on there where like everybody gets a solo. Um, really happy with that, and we're we're super excited about whenever this thing comes out. It's not quite finished, but it's almost there.
0: Well, that's that's badass, dude. Well, I can't thank you enough for for coming on the show today and, you know, just talking about your your career and your experiences. You know, it's it's really helpful for all of our listeners that are, you know, still trying to make it in the industry and just, you know, picking up tidbits of information from pros like yourself. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for
1: calling me over, pro Katie. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> You're welcome, dude. No problem. You're going okay. to validate you. I love your guys' music and, you know, can't wait to, uh, to listen to this new record when it comes out. So thanks again.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Katie.
0: First and foremost, I must say one more time, happy freaking birthday, Tommy Putnam, and thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your stories about, you know playing uke basses and DJing and also all of the fun stuff that you're doing with Moon Taxi. Make sure that you check out the links in the show notes. Moon Taxi is going on tour this summer and it is extensive. They will be going everywhere. They're even coming to Columbus, Ohio in October. So I'm really stoked for that. I hope I get to uh, go out to that show at the Bluestone. So thank you so much, Tommy. Happy birthday. Y'all make sure that you go download. Set yourself free right now. It is available everywhere you get your We'll see you soon.